0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the CX Cast. This is Sam Stern, joined as always by Jenny Wise. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everyone. And we have with us in studio today our colleague, analyst Angelina Jenis. Hi, Angelina. Hello again. Yes, welcome back. Today, we wanted to talk to you about research that you have published recently about employee personas. I guess Jenny and I are going to be wondering, which one are we as we go through this conversation? Mm -hmm. But really interested to hear what you've learned through this research. And in particular, maybe we can start with, why do you need employee personas? Maybe that's Mm -hmm. obvious, but when I think about the use cases for them, I can see a lot of reasons maybe why you would want them, but I can also see a lot of objections that could get raised by executives of yet another thing or artifact that we're going to create about our employees.
1: Right. Well, we've had a lot of failures in the employee experience and designing for the employee experiences and it's really costly and I think people are cautious To do something differently, you get pushback from employees, you get pushback from the organization, you get pushback from leadership, and they just want to stay in their lanes and keep doing what they're doing. So the first question you want to ask is, do I actually understand the employee experience? And personas are a way to take what you learn from the employee experience through quantitative and qualitative data and put them into a single cohesive story so that when you are designing, you bring that story with you and you actually are designing for the employee, not for the
2: bottom line or for your own biases. And so when we think about this employee persona, is it exactly the same as the other persona (laughs) that companies are making, the customer persona um, or whoever they've been designing for? And the objective is just to make sure that you're being empathetic with your employees instead of just thinking about the customer? Or is there something different about it?
1: Yeah, so the approach is very similar. You maybe have a hypothesis, you have some existing research, and you decide, I need to make a research plan to learn more about the customer or the employee. And you have a very defined audience, which is always important, and a defined goal, too, for what you're ultimately going to design. But there is a little bit of a difference when we're thinking about employee personas, because, again, we have so many biases of our own experience. We are employees as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we have to be extra careful about how to remove those biases, how to start fresh and learn from the ground up what that employee experience is.
2: Right. It's so easy to get your own assumptions in. Everyone Mm -hmm. thinks it goes this way. Yeah,
0: makes so much sense, right? Because you went through the things that you might be applying the personas to, right? Well, I went through our onboarding, so I know where that information is. It's easy to find.
1: Yeah, and there's all sorts of landmines out there when you're doing your qualitative research, employees are going to be hesitant to tell you negative things about their experience. So people tend to think qualitative, that must mean focus groups, right? But focus groups rarely have the right mix of people where everyone is actually comfortable disclosing their experience.
2: And it also sounds like when you're creating these employee personas and doing the research, Does it have to be research that's conducted by a objective third party to make sure that the (laughs) employees are being honest or has this been done with internal interviews as well? It is possible.
1: And I think sometimes your silos sort of help you because if you are creating employee personas for... Customer service reps, and you live in HR. Then you actually can admit that you
2: know very little about that experience, <laughs> and yeah. you are basically. External. And they can be honest and complain to you, and you won't yeah. tell, tell their right. boss. Or whatever we work it together, is. but we've never <laughs> met
0: before. So you're like right. you're an outside, store, so outside interviewer, stranger. right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> You've talked a little bit about why personas. Mm-hmm. Talked about some of the research going into personas. I think it's really it's a point well taken. Not only do you need them because it's easy for you to default to your own experience as an employee, but you need to do Research in a careful way because it's easy to sort of bias the research by asking leading questions that are aligned to your experience or, you know, putting them a feeling of risk for sharing information that it's going to be you know, turned back on them. Are there sort of right and wrong ways to use the personas too? I mean, once you've got them and hopefully you've you've done the right steps to get there, are there sort of similar pitfalls when you try to use them?
1: Yeah, a lot of personas get misused because, first of all, they are designed in a template. There's the assumption that all employee personas look the same. There's a template. It says their wants, their needs, their pain points. It's got a stock photo slapped on there. So that's kind of the first mistake that will trickle down into how usable it is. And there's a few ways you could rethink that template. You could think if the problem I'm trying to solve is for a very homogenous group, uh, rather than making multiple personas of the same type of person, I could start thinking
2: about the different types of mindsets they might be in. So one of the things I'm thinking about as we're coming up with this is when you're creating a persona… Sometimes you create attributes that aren't always positive to that persona, right? (laughs) Um, And then also you might be talking about someone, you know, who works in customer service and is in a confused or overwhelmed mindset. And then an employee in customer service might see that and be offended by it or think this doesn't apply to me at all or you totally got this wrong. This undermines all of the ideas that you're now trying to implement based on this persona. So how do companies manage that or think about that to make sure that employees don't feel like it missed the mark if they see it and also so that it doesn't offend them in any way?
1: Yeah, it's great that you bring that up because I have seen negative Nancy
2: personas before (gasps) or (laughs) or disillusioned David. Yeah, right, where you like add the descriptor to it. So you're like confused Connor. There seems to be
0: a – A unwritten rule that as long as you use alliteration, you can say (laughs) the most insulting things about the people. (laughs) Silently seething Sam, always angry Angelina. And it's just like, nope, I get a free pass because it was alliteration. And so that's a get out of jail free.
1: Right. Yes. And I understand you're doing the research. You find that there is a certain amount of population that is very resistant to any change. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's not design for those. Let's design for the employees that have the most potential to be engaged. And so we really shouldn't have a negative persona because it's not going to be inspiring to design for anyways. So don't put anything on paper you wouldn't want to put in front of your colleagues because you're going to have to walk through it with actual employees and say, is this right? Did we miss anything?
0: I love that. That's a very easy way to prevent yourself from doing a negative persona yeah. validation. You should validate anyway and if you're going to have to put it in front of people, odds are you don't want to say something that they're going to be offended by. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: But then I mean you might be misrepresenting though the persona a little bit, right? Cuz there will be people who are resistant to change or who, you know, don't yeah. collaborate or, <laughs> or get think, overwhelmed easily.
0: But they employees always ascribe it to the environment or to their being right and you being wrong. So it's not that they won't say, you know, they wouldn't disagree that they're resistant to change. They would disagree that it's their problem rather than the organization. It's like the way I do it is the right way or you've made it so hard to change. Why would I bother seeing the bigger picture? Sam doesn't really work for why I'm resistant to change as a persona either because it's the design issues would be in the organizational level. Is there an example from your research of a company who's using employee personas in the right way?
1: So I got a lot of examples through consulting firms. So for example, an example from Project 202, which was looking at these fertility coaches, these nurses that had huge humongous workloads on top of a huge emotional toll that they were taking to help their patients. And what I like about that example is they actually mapped out the workflow before making the persona so that they could say, okay, where's the opportunity and what do we need to say about these people to actually help solve their problem? So even before we start thinking of designing something, we have another artifact as well that we can look at and help channel our thinking
0: interesting point that the workflow or you know maybe the journey is so illustrative of why they might have a certain attitude or disposition that it is so much context dependent yeah that's really interesting I mean it makes sense to me it, and in my head I was trying to sort of prevent myself from thinking okay you do the employee persona directly as part of the journey map so you can get right to figuring this out but in, mm-hmm. in a sense actually that's as long as you do all the research and, and follow it rather than just quick and dirty, that helps you better understand that employee persona.
2: And what you need to know about them too. That's one of the things always with personas. I find companies sometimes can have a hard time focusing, right? Like, does it matter what type of car you drive and what type of pet that you have? Sort of what, what am I trying to learn about this person versus how much do I constrain this thinking to something that's relevant to the interaction or relationship that we'll be having with them. And so it sounds like when you're looking at the employee experience, that's a very different sort of lens that you need to look at because Mm -hmm. it is that interaction you're having with that employee and also the attributes about them as people interacting that sort of leads to that employee persona.
1: And there's a whole management aspect of these personas because you don't want to have to create hundreds of personas because you have hundreds of job titles. You could either go the route of removing job titles from your personas so that you can become more general with who they represent, depending on what the ultimate goal is, what you might be designing. Or you can have someone who owns the personas and owns the data underneath the personas who can help rejigger them based on what you're trying to design so that it's a little more fluid. because. Creating a million static personas is not going to be used Mm -hmm. for anything.
0: Well said. You're maybe more accurate and more specific to each individual employee, but it's not serving anyone any good because it's locked away in a desk drawer, Mm -hmm. a very deep desk drawer to fit fit them all in.
2: (laughs) So to the very start of this podcast where you mentioned how this bridges EX and CX, how can these employee personas be used to create that bridge?
1: Yeah, this is actually the kind of cool thing about employee personas, because we can think about employees and designing experiences for them in a vacuum, but we could also pair them up with a customer persona and go through the journey map and see the relationship and how it plays out through different stages of the journey. So in the case of a relationship where there's coaching involved, where you would want the relationship to get deeper over
2: time, you could really start to play out how that would go and how it would be mutually sustainable. Mm. That's like when we talk about the journey mapping, Mm -hmm. where you have the customer journey on top, and then you have sort of that employee journey or that technology journey, infrastructure journey, whatever it is. You can actually do that, carry through this entire employee persona and see sort of how they're combining.
1: And it can be really fun because in a, a workshop, you could have someone who's representing the customer persona and someone, a team representing the employee persona, and they can really play off of each other saying, no, well, that's not quite the right idea for my persona, but I can see how you came up with it. For your persona, so what if we kind of met in the yeah. middle?
2: Yeah, that's a great idea to double through do like a pain point. Yeah. I love the idea of having both of them together too. So let's say there's like a customer service call that's gone sideways, right? And the customer's like, well, I was calling and I wanted this. And the employee's like, well, I, I heard you, but I was only able to do this. And so this is how I got here. Yes, yeah. And then in real time, you can understand what was that information need that would have fixed that specific point in the journey for both of them. Right.
0: Right. That's great. Yeah, information need or you know, change to an employee goal or better guidance on the website so the incoming call wasn't so far off what the company could or wanted to deliver. That's really interesting. Yeah, it sort of ex- just expands your possibilities for how you might solve those problems. Yeah. Great. Well, Angelina, thank you for joining us again on the CXcast. We appreciate it. And listeners, we've posted a link to this relevant report in the show notes, Create Employee Personas to Power EX Strategy. And Angelina answered that question implied in the, in the report title, but also how do you connect this to customer experience improvements and to journey mapping in a more general way, both for the employee journeys and for the customer journeys. There's a lot of value here, and I would encourage you to check it out. We'll talk to you all on next week's The CX Cask. Bye for now. Thanks to our colleagues Amanda Chen for recording and mixing the episode and Will Wilsey for editing and publishing. And listeners, if you have questions, feedback, comments or suggestions for new episodes, please email us at cxcast@forster.com. At and remember, your customers' perceptions are your customer experience reality.